are listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 119. It's such a beautiful, wonderful life day. Yay! Welcome, welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers. Howdy, animation fans. I am Mason. I am your, uh, I'm going to be your... Your big bad host man today, and uh, <laughs> welcome to episode 119 of the Animation Addicts podcast. It's such a beautiful day, you guys, isn't it? It's a beautiful day. Yes, it is. Oh, Absolutely. I'm going to get the title <laughs> of the film confused with It's a Wonderful Life so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful day. It's such a beautiful day. Oh, 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 it's such a beautiful day. See, I have a whole nother... Oh, oh. oh you know what song I have stuck in my head? song going through my head. <laughs> my, my song is, sun's up, it's just a little after 12. It's a <laughs> perfect day. Oh. Nothing's standing <laughs> in my way. Nothing can go wrong. Oh, That's we just lost one. a viewer while I was singing that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast. This is your home, your one-stop shop for all things animation and crazy, quirky songs. Hey, guys, it's a, we're a podcast about animation, and you, what does animation love to do most? Break Musicals. out into songs. Uh, so get ready for that apparently. on this show. <laughs> Yay. So um, if you're new to the show, then welcome. If you're old to the show, then welcome back. So... Um, what our show is basically about is we love animation like with a passion uh, and as the rotoscopers we go over every line every contour in detail of our favorite animated films um, and now that the patrons are our patreon subscribers are choosing the films for us some of the films we don't love and <laughs> but that's okay because uh, we look for the good in all of it and um, f think of us as your like your nerdy animation loving friends uh, and we're all sitting on the couch talking about our, about animated films and what makes animation great and what we love about it. And so welcome. Um, hopefully you're watching this live on the YouTube, in which case you can use, utilize the chat box on the right. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, you can also go to rotoscopers.com slash live in the future, you know, for, um, you know, to, to, you know, check in on us or, or watch the live broadcast. So. Yeah, and because we are now broadcasting this live, you get to see things that you never saw before. For once, you get to actually see the video of us. And just special for those who are watching the actual live broadcast or the video broadcast in the archives, that I have a blue tongue, so don't let that distract you. I made a very horrible life decision and decided to eat a blue Jolly Rancher before recording, and then I turned on the camera and I realized... Uh oh. <laughs> oh man. So She's only blue. the video watchers get to experience that. Audio listeners, you're good. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, one thing you'll find if you're new to this show is that uh, like we like to quote ourselves, and our our listeners like to quote us, and so we're always trying to think of <laughs> suggestions of what the title should be of the episode. <laughs> and uh, no, seriously, didn't we have like a whole activity for the end of year show that was mostly just myself talking about random no it was our who said it uh game that we yes. did yes oh my gosh some of those really brought me back we've done over 100 episodes <laughs> and it's always fun to like look back at some some wacky stuff that we were talking about we we like to go on tangents so this was not we necessarily do. a wacky tangent more of a, a more serious one but um our thoughts definitely go out to any uh, and all, all of our listeners who uh, might be affected by the attacks in brussels uh, last night slash today 
um, be strong guys. You'll get through this. And, uh, really our, our thoughts and prayers go out to y'all. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So before we go into our main discussion, I want to give a huge shout out to our patron, Alex D. He is the reason we are going to be revealing, reviewing the film that we are reviewing today, which is, it's such a beautiful day. <laughs> I, I kept saying beautiful life based on that song. That yeah. I was singing. It's such a beautiful day by Don Hertzfeld. Um, he was the one who selected this and we're really excited to do it. Definitely got us out of our comfort zone. Something new, something exciting. So that is one of the perks for being a patron. So thank you, Alex. Thanks for being a patron and thanks for the suggestion. Um, all right. So before we go into that, we're going to have a little nerdy couch discussion, just a little mini discussion where we talk about just a concept Sometimes related to the main discussion or film, sometimes unrelated. This time, it is a bit late. It's about a month past, more or less. But we are going to be talking about the Oscar-nominated films. We did uh, do an episode two episodes ago, episode 117. You can go to rosecopers.com slash 117 to listen to that episode, where we discussed the Oscar-nominated shorts. Um, But... That was released just a few days before the actual ceremony. And then last episode, we didn't really get to talk about it much. So we are talking about it now. So let's just go straight into that. We're going to talk about the shorts and the animated films. So first off, let's talk about the Big Kuna, which is Oscar-nominated movie. We didn't didn't talk a lot about the the main films um, going into it. We mostly talked about the shorts. But um, some of my favorites on here, we had... Inside Out, Shaun the Sheep movie, Anomalisa, <laughs> Boy and the World, and When Marnie Was There. Obviously, the big kahuna that won was Inside Out. Ah, ah, ooh, ah, yeah. The big kahuna. <laughs> so, yeah, the Inside Out, that was kind of, that was pretty much mm, no surprise to me. Yeah. Even though I think I was everybody a, went into it. I was a bad animation fan. I've only seen Shaun the Sheep. Besides, like, besides Inside Out, so I was oh, pretty, nice, nice. I was pretty limited. But, Shame, Mason. Shame. Oh, I know, but just like my prejudging, I was like, mm, Inside Out's gonna win. I'm totally not surprised. <laughs> well, Inside Out just it did have so much to offer, and everyone was so into it, so it didn't. It didn't surprise me in the least. Yeah, but doesn't this kind of go to show? I mean, it was the superior movie um, for the majority of the the films that came out in 2014. But it seems a lot of times for animation in the Oscars that it is very much just common consensus and more general appeal than necessarily artistic mm-hmm. uh, masterpiece and, and appeal. And we see that a lot more in the shorts than the actual films uh, that come out. But uh, not surprised by this. However, there were really, really fantastic films. I do think Shaun the Sheep was equal mm-hmm. um, to Inside Out on just a level. I just loved Shaun the Sheep and how it was able to tell the story very simply with no dialogue, which is, I hate to say this, like, so brave because <laughs> no one does it anymore Hashtag for animated so films. Fierce. <laughs> they feel that they have to, like, put in, you know, a stupid dialogue or audio track for the kids because the yeah. kids aren't going to understand. But, you know, I love Arvin Animation that they kind of stepped, stepped away from that and actually told the movie they wanted to tell, which was ultimately a better film. I couldn't imagine if they had some dopey uh, dialogue oh or narrator on top of this. But, um, <laughs> what would Sean, you know, Sean, what the would Sean sound like? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Christopher Walken. <laughs> Oh there we gosh. go. Christopher Walken as Shaw the Sheep. You heard it here first. The sequel. 
Get ready, guys. <laughs> Get direct it. to v- direct to DVD or VHS. <laughs> um, Louis so, Louis Mangiello did like a perfect Christopher Walken impression on the Peter Pan episode. I'm trying to think of. <laughs> yes. I'm trying to conjure some sort of Christopher Walken in my head in my head for an imitation, but I just can't do it. I can't can't visualize it. <laughs> when Marty was there is also a very fantastic film. Uh, from Studio Ghibli, a lot of people really thought that was uh, one of the top films as well, but did not ultimately did not make it. So let's move on to the Oscar-nominated shorts. So our nominees were Bear Story, Sanjay's Super Team, World of Tomorrow, Prologue, and We Can't Live Without Cosmos. Now, looking back at these, I did think I picked Prologue as what I wanted to win. And looking back and having time, you know, apart from that episode, I think World of Tomorrow was actually, for me, the the film that I would have put my money on and would have liked to have won. Um, Prologue, while it was very artistic and um, from an actual technical standpoint, mm-hmm. very, very, very impressive. Probably the most superior of Yes, that doesn't necessarily forever. mean it was the superior film. So no. I'm kind of based, backtracking a little bit on my previous uh, statement from that other episode. Here, that's the great thing about being human. You change your opinions, you evolve, <laughs> you grow. Change. So, yeah, World World of Tomorrow is a Don Hertzfeldt film, so kind of a little teaser into what we're going to be talking about later today in the episode. Um, but ultimately, the winner was Bear Story, which none of no. us yeah, that was yeah. the picked. big crazy <laughs> moment, and everybody was just like, "What?" Not to take anything away away from Bear Story because it was a Chilean film. You know, all these so many big things that came out of this movie, and we're really proud of them. But still, for us. <laughs> Maybe it's just our own general appeal, you know, millennials type age group. We just kind of we we liked World of Tomorrow. It was just so quirky. It and was so hurtful. And... Just kidding. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna be the one to say that. I really thought that Sanjay's yes, super would. team was gonna get it, but uh, really, yeah, I really thought it was gonna get the Oscar. I mean, I'm saying this, but I I really don't give a rat's behind about the Oscars, but. Um, I, for what it was worth, I really thought that Sanjay would have won, um, closely followed by Prologue, I guess. I don't know. Prologue was just so masterful, you know? Anyway, mm-hmm. and it did have a story. But do you, but do you expect the, the Academy to appreciate the, how masterful no. it was? No, I don't think, I don't expect <laughs> the Academy to get anything right. <laughs> no. You heard it here first. <laughs> Mason so says. Anyways, that Stamp our- of disapproval. <laughs> That is our brief little recap of the Oscars, in case you had not been up to date on who had won. Um, definitely, we didn't predict. The only thing we got right was Inside Out. Okay. As far as the shorts. Nope. If we lived in like, Mm-mm. if we lived in a world where Pixar didn't exist, and uh, you know, Lord bless and keep us. But um, if <laughs> if that ever happened, then who would have won? Sean the Sheep, Anomalisa, Boy in the World, or when Marnie was there? Who who do you think? I would have wanted Shaun the Sheep to win. I think Shaun the Sheep. I just loved Shaun the Sheep so much. Every time I watch that movie, I enjoy it more and more. And yeah, I would have wanted them to win. Okay. Yeah, I think either, uh, well, I don't know. (laughs) The only one I ever saw was Shaun the Sheep. Um, hmm, maybe I'm a anomalies hmm, maybe boy in the world hmm, when Marty was here maybe, hmm oh, but definitely Sean the Sheep, yeah I'm thinking like an Academy member already yeah. well, I, didn't, I, didn't yeah, have t- I didn't have time to see all these and my kid didn't want to see Anomalisa I get, so uh, I, don't, I don't know 
<laughs> all right, all right. We're all done with the Academy. All right, so let's move on to our main discussion. So we are reviewing a feature-length film called It's Such a Beautiful Day by Don Hertzfeld. It was actually a combination of three of his shorts, with the first one being Everything Will Be Okay, which was released in 2006, second being I Am So Proud of You, released in 2008, and third, and finally, It's Such a Beautiful Day, which which was released in 2011. So he, Don Hertzfeld, he is an independent animator. He's been around for you know almost 20 years since basically he came out of college. He's been a very well-known name in animation. He released this film. It was a very limited release on August 24th, 2012. So about a year after the third mm-hmm. film was released. And, uh, you know, obviously it was, uh, people loved it. You know, when you look back at, uh, the critical acclaim for this film many people had it as their uh top animate some on their top 10 list of best animated films mm-hmm. for the year 2012 many people even had it as far as on their top 10 list for best film of 2012 wow. so very very uh, critically acclaimed people love it we will talk about our feelings on it um i don't have box office information or budget obviously because he does this entirely himself so he has uh, a production company called Bitter Films. It's basically just the corporate entity so he can release films. Uh, but he is the master operator, groundskeeper, <laughs> editor, best, producer, best voice manager, actor, caterer. Yes. <laughs> best boy. Producer. Best gaffer. boy. Gaffer. <laughs> hey, we said it at the exact same time. That's crazy. I love gaffer. And that's from the old gaffer. So um, he... <laughs> Is the epitome of the one. He is the show. one man show, and let me tell you this: when he shows up in town to do like a screening or like a Q and A, people line up across, like around the block to see this guy. Like he's he's a big deal. Uh, I don't know particularly about this particular film, but he is a huge inspiration to me. For one, um, animation was done is mostly done by hand. He used a, he used a Cintiq for mm-hmm. uh, the Simpsons interstitiary or the what do you call it the couch gag. And the, yes. <laughs> I don't watch The Simpsons, so there I am. Um, and Wait he did. Um, what else did he do? Oh, World of Tomorrow was was digital, but for the most part, it's just pen and paper, and then he he shoots it on a camera. Um, and mm-hmm. it, it, I'm pretty sure the compiling was done on uh, Final Cut, and uh, for this film, for It's a Wonderful Everything. Mm-hmm. I forget the title. <laughs> everything will be okay. It's a beautiful it's a, day. It's a, everything will be a day. Um, <laughs> but it, it's a really awesome example of like just what you can do um, if you have the drive, you know. Uh, to quote uh, to quote one of my favorite movies, creation is an act of sheer will. Guess the quote. I dare you. Put it in the chat if you can figure out that quote. Uh, but so as a creative person, like I totally relate. Like. I actually feel guilty if a week goes by and I didn't spend at least some time like creating something, you know? And, and so in the internet age, it's so easy to produce your own stuff and uh, share it for the whole world to see. And you don't necessarily have to put it in a theater. You don't have to wait until you're a master of your craft to put it out there. And you don't have to wait until you land your, your dream job at a major studio to start creating things. And for me, Hertz felt really uh, epitomizes that as a creator. Uh, speaking of which, speaking yeah. of which, uh, Tunes software is soon uh, going to be free and open source, so uh, y- y'all can make your own cartoons like even easier now. It's like it's like when Unity and Unreal Engine went uh, went open source. So one thing about you know going with what Mason said about him, he is kind of this epitome of your classic artist, one who absolutely hates you know corporations and the man. He vehemently 
hates advertising. Yeah. Um, he it's it's something that he does not believe in. He doesn't believe that you should you know seek investors for your film because it, it ultimately hurts and damages the ultimate product because people get involved uh, and whatnot. So he does not go to you know big studios to get help. Everything is self funded so that way he can be ultimately in creative control and release as it is. And Mason was talking about you know how he's as an animator today you don't have to release things in in theaters. But he actually is very much. Um, a proponent that just because the internet is available and you can post things anywhere, we shouldn't. Because it kind of has given the, according to him, the belief that animation is cheap and that you shouldn't be paid for your work, especially with shorts. Um, it seems like a lot of shorts just go online, they, they put them on YouTube, but there's no way that they're actually compensated for the work that they're right. doing. And so he is very much against just throwing your stuff on YouTube and not being paid for it. And, oh, just because you're a student or just because you're doing a short, you shouldn't be compensated. So he has gone to great lengths to make sure that his stuff is not available online. I do think the first part of these three films, Everything Will Be Okay, is available on YouTube, more as a teaser. Um, however, if you want to watch it, you have to go to Vimeo to, uh, well, you can go to Vimeo to to watch it in its pure form, but you can also rent it on Amazon or, or iTunes. But he makes sure that even if you want to watch his shorts, that you pay to watch his shorts um so and he and he does everything himself from producing dvds and blu-rays he is again he's the one-man shop he will uh, press them and make and deliver them and, and and mail them to you he doesn't want anyone else involved and that's really how he supports himself he's been this independent artist and animator basically since how since he got out of school he went to university of california santa barbara in the late 90s and graduated and ever since he's just on his own and been and really is quite um, quite a extraordinary example of how you don't necessarily have to go to a big mm -hmm. studio. You don't have to give into the man if that's not what you want. I guess you know if you want to just be an independent, free spirit artist who tells your own stories, you can. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I appreciate everything that he's been able to and you do can make to that a living out of it. Yeah, too. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, it's I. In the music industry, it's the same thing. Like you, anytime you post anything, that's why you see a lot of covers on YouTube. Is because if you post anything that's like yours, then you're really not going to be. You're you're just not going to be compensated yeah. at all. And um, you'll see. I obviously do a lot of research into this, um, but there's just a lot of people. They they look at the music industry. Any art really that just gets posted out there for free really does lower the value in general and inherently art should be paid for yeah you can find this film on netflix that's where we all watched it and obviously he did some sort of deal with netflix mm -hmm. to you know pay for the rights for people on netflix to watch his film it's just because just you're on netflix doesn't mean you're not getting paid so i, I no, think you that's are oh, yeah, you license well, it out no yeah well exactly that's what i'm saying yeah. like, just because you're on netflix doesn't mean you're not getting paid it's just your, your movie just doesn't appear there right and so that's um i think very impressive that his film, you know, he was able to, you know, work with Netflix, get paid for the work that he has done on mm -hmm. this. Um, I don't know how much, probably not an amazing amount. However, he it now has a distribution and an audience. And when you go on Netflix, it's rated five stars. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone has, uh, enjoys this film. And so uh, kudos to him and everything that he's been able to Yay, accomplish. Yay, kudos indeed. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> kudos just reminds me of uh, the candy bar that came out a while ago that was called Kudos. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing, speaking of him self-financing, he recently did a Kickstarter in uh, the summer of 2015 for a limited edition It's Such a Beautiful Day slash World of Tomorrow uh -huh. Blu-ray. 
And that raised $215,000 just to wow. have that newly minted. Um, this is really interesting because he is very much a proponent of quality. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't um, let you watch his movie on certain areas or certain places, especially YouTube, because he absolutely hates the fact that the quality is diminished. Mm -hmm. And he thinks that the viewing experience is completely uh, disrupted and uh, it, it destroys the ultimate film and, and what he is trying to share um, because certain things are squished when, when action is really fast, it's, it's blurry or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So he has gone to great lengths on Vimeo to make sure that it is uploaded at the highest, highest, highest quality and another thing with this Blu-ray release. And so going with this Blu-ray release, it really interested me that you know, we were talking about Don Bluth and Gary Goldman, mm -hmm. who wanted, you know, and when you think of Don Bluth, he's kind of this independent animator as well, who, not to this level, mm -hmm. Don definitely has had given in to more of a mainstream yeah. commercial <laughs> element. I, Troll in Central Park is example A. Um, however, I mean, when you do think of, you know, the people who broke the mold or, you know, did their own thing, right. definitely these two would, would fall in that category on different levels. Um, and I thought it was just really interesting because um, Don Hertzfeld has such an audience i mean just to really he just basically said hey i want to release this on blu-ray will you support it Two hundred fifteen thousand. you better believe it mm -hmm. don bluth on the other hand wanted to release basically a pitch reel for a new film which would be the dragon's lair film um and that you know took took a while ultimately it earned uh, around five hundred fifty thousand dollars basically double of this but completely different things um i think it's just really incredible shows how much just having an audience can sustain you because yeah. I do believe that Don Hertzfeld has a very, very strong, passionate audience where his films and his messages very much resonate with people. I went on his website and I, you know, was looking at his Twitter and he retweets his fans and people are, you know, recently, I think finally the Kickstarter Blu-rays, um, he got them early March and now they're starting to actually hit people's doorsteps and they can watch them. And so people are tweeting pictures and whatnot Ooh. and people are so excited. Mm -hmm. And so if you can go check out his, his, um, his, his Twitter or Facebook, and I'll include a link in the show notes so you can check that out. But um, he definitely has his fans, and I thought that was very impressive because, you know, many people maybe who listen to our show may be unfamiliar with him, but he definitely is very influential for a lot of people. Yeah. 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 Well, it also is really, really inspiring. Um, have you guys, I'm sure you guys have heard the the phrase of, you know, a thousand true fans, you know, how if anybody has, you don't have to be making a bazillion dollars to be able to make a living. And for an artist, if you have at least a certain, um, there was a, in Wired Magazine, the, the guy who created that one, he said, as long as you have a thousand true fans, which, you know, basically if you created like a hundred dollars worth of of material in a year and you had a thousand people that were willing to purchase that hundred dollars, then you would be making a hundred thousand dollars a year and which is a very livable income. Um, it was just, it's really great to see that, you know, those are those, the niche, uh, really does pay. Mm -hmm. So it's nice. And it gives any type of an artist a little bit of a, of a goal to shoot for, which is cool. Yeah. So keep yeah. creating. So what, one thing, we, we will briefly talk about the f other films, short films that he has done. Um, but one thing in particular Chelsea mentioned was he did the Simpsons couch gag in 2014. And I thought it was a really interesting story because uh, I read on, he did it, uh, he did an AMA on Reddit, and this was part three of an AMA, so he does one every few years. I'll include a link in the show notes to that. But he mentioned how, um, you know, how did that come to be? How did you end up doing? And it was a very long um, Simpsons couch gag. It was mm -hmm. about two minutes long. Wasn't it the yeah. longest he of, that he, of that time up until then? Yeah. Yeah. 
And he mentions how he was just reached out by one of the directors on Facebook. They reached out to him <laughs> and said, hey, wasn't we weren't really sure how else to contact you. So we were messaging you on Facebook. And um, <laughs> so they said, great. hey, we're interested in you potentially doing a, a couch gag for The Simpsons. Would you be interested? And he said, absolutely. And so they started going back and forth. And um, he's, they said, okay, well, you know, you'll need your pitch. And then send us uh, some storyboards and an animatic and we'll go from there. And he said, well, actually, like, I don't do storyboards. And I don't even know what really how to do an animatic. <laughs> so, um, you know, and also, you know, this would be very hard to convey what I want. Just, you know, you're going to have what what is a storyboard for one of these scenes? It's going to be blob Lisa going. Uh. <laughs> like, I don't think that expresses what this ultimately will be. So um, let me just animate this. And if you don't like parts, I can reanimate it. And uh-huh. it's just to me, it's just really funny about his it, process. Man. And um and he, even to this day, you know, and they went forward and he did it. However, he still has never met any member of the team. So it was done completely through That's uh, funny. the Just internet. <laughs> yes. he, he's the independent artist. I love it. And uh, thankfully, he yeah. lives in an age when he can crowdfund his projects and when he can like make a living off of selling his own like self-produced stuff. And um, I'm really happy for the guy because it, like, it sounds like he's really mm-hmm. like found his his life as an independent creative and and uh, man, it makes me a little jealous. So one last thing before we go into talking about his other shorts. I thought this was really funny. This was in the AMA. He mentions how uh, Pop-Tarts a few years ago did uh, a commercial that was very Hertzfeld-esque. And if, I guess. Um, you know, we, haven't really gone in, we haven't really gone into his style, but it's very simple stick yeah. figures. Uh, quirky, I guess, and, and very simplified in, in, in the utmost sense. Almost to the fact where if you were new or uninitiated, you would think this is this is uh, cheap mm-hmm. or this person has no skill. Um, so they did a, a a commercial and it is kind of in the style and someone asked him, like, what do you think about it? Should we sue them oh, and whatnot? He says, everyone keeps asking me this. You know what would honestly be more effective if you guys boycotted them? Don't buy their garbage when they do things that you don't like. Consumers wield all the power in the world. Also, did you know that Pop-Tarts are made from compressed human ashes? Well, it's very (laughs) true, actually. Yeah, I love this philosophy, man. Like, every year, fans of, like, a particular thing, doesn't matter if it's an artist, a a movie, a video game, a genre, they're subjected to this hype that, like, builds up their expectations, and then they get crushed sometimes and disappointed when the product that actually comes out uh, doesn't doesn't live up to the standards. <clears throat> Star Wars, <clears throat> Superman versus Batman. <clears throat> I unpurposely said the name wrong because whatever. And they um, <laughs> they don't know that they can wield the power of the purse to change things. Like, don't go and see these crappy knockoffs and these uh, you know in these sequels and and you know mashups and spinoffs that you that you know are going to be terrible. Um, don't go see them just because it's your characters that you like or whatever, you know? Of course, I go and see every Godzilla movie by default, so I guess I need to work <laughs> on that. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, I guess to round this off, like, it, it's so fascinating talking about Hertzfeld. Like, the guy, um, the guy is something that I aspire to in terms of, like, a sense of, like, independence and, like, an entrepreneurial spirit and just like a desire for creative freedom like he has it like he doesn't have to he doesn't have to answer to any producers he doesn't have to answer to any like syndicate or anything um and it sounds like he really respects his fan base and and uh like in the internet age like that's a huge thing and it's really no um no wonder why he's so um you know why he's so beloved by his his fan base also really quick um abby who's watching right now got my quote right about creation being an act of sheer will that was john hammond's character in jurassic park 
So I was <laughs> I was first exposed to Donna Hertzfeld, um, I guess. Uh, well, I first heard one of his shorts like in middle school or something like that. I, I think I watched part of Rejected, but I didn't watch all of Rejected until um, a couple of years ago. It was like we put it on at like 4 a.m. I was with a bunch of my friends from school and we watched it and it was just a wonderful experience. I haven't watched it since so i don't know what like not 4 a.m viewing it would be like but man, i just love it in fact uh one of the lines is like one of the most quoted lines ever in my like circle of friends growing up <laughs> i don't know if i can nice. i don't know if i can say it on a clean podcast but anyway <laughs> i really love it like rejected is just so genius you know so my first experience with Hertzfeldt was in 2008. I was taking a history of animation class and his short Billy's Balloon was shown. And that's kind of his, one of his first ones when he was on the yeah. scene. Um, very simple, complete opposite of it's a beautiful day. It's such a beautiful day in the fact that there is no dialogue, um, you know, and the balloons really take over and it's almost violent. It's very violent in uh, what happens. But so that was my first introduction. However, I had not seen the movie we're going to talk about until uh, yep. today. And then Chelsea has a interesting. <laughs> I don't know how this happened. Oh my goodness! <laughs> it, so get okay. ready. <laughs> we have a little conversation on the internets saying, "Hey, you know, this is the link to go find the information." When I heard we're going to be doing Don Hartsfield shorts. And so I figured, okay, I'm going to be watching several shorts. We've done that before. I'm good. And then she posts this link. It was to the very first. Um, the first one that he put online. Yes. Yeah, everything will be okay. Yeah, everything will be okay. And I was like, cool. So I go there. And then it just, you know, keeps going on the consecutive shorts. The like, autoplay. Of- yeah, it's the autoplay. <laughs> and so I end up watching like six shorts later. And I'm like, all right, meaning of life, Lily and Jim, which... I think of all of them, that one was probably the funniest one. Um, basically, it's his third student film. Lillian Jim was shot um, in like, two th- like 1997, and it was partially improvised vocal performances by the, by the two characters. It's basically an animated reality show of a blind date. Ooh. And... It was so bad. <laughs> it was like how the worst blind date one could ever think of. And then also afterward of like, well, I didn't you know, think that they w- he would actually call me. Of course, he wouldn't call me because this and like it was the worst blind date. And why in the world would anybody want to even repeat that? But at the same time, they're both thinking, oh, my gosh, he doesn't like me. So therefore, but I could have liked him. I don't know. It could have been great. <laughs> and I'm just like. Oh my gosh, this is just painful. Wow. But it was really funny in that way. Um, genre, also kind of an interesting thing. Wisdom teeth. Um, wow, that one is very disgusting. <laughs> um, I liked the quotation he said that wisdom teeth was done in 2010 and is an unnecessary cartoon that Don drew in between more important things. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. Isn't, isn't so, that, that's, that's, that's the only thing that we want though. We just want the stuff that you do when you're bored, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but so I got a, a very wide, a wide look at Don Hartsfeld this morning. Wow, wow. Yes. Very good. Very thorough, Chelsea. Way to do your homework. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you.
right, so it's such a beautiful day. There, I got the title right, because it's written right here on the Ooh. Google Doc. <laughs> okay, so a current user review on IMDb says that it, uh, it's such a beautiful day is, quote unquote, 10 out of 10, the greatest movie of all time. Oh, brother. Um, <laughs> people really like this. Like, it's got a really high rating on, like, Metacritic and all this stuff. And uh, for the most part, the uh, fan base is pretty, like, like pretty, like, rabidly defensive of this film when anyone criticizes it so um this was back in 2012 i mean yeah so back in 2012 like i mentioned this made a lot of people's different top 10 lists best film best animated film lists um however it did not secure the oscar nomination for best animated film so there you go mm -hmm. it did not make it so um first thing you're going to notice this was a uh, chelsea's particular review is this is not rated <laughs> no it is not and i would say it is not for general audiences oh yeah um just i mean we are a clean podcast so we just want to make sure that if they're you know don't go and say hey kids let's watch this yeah an adult <laughs> absolutely nothing uh out of like offensive per se i would yeah. i would think um however for children i don't know if they would get it and some of the I, we yeah. don't show this to children necessarily. Yeah, I would say just not for general audiences. Um, there are some references to porn and some pro and some profanity. So just <gasps> you have the profane, <laughs> profanity. <laughs> I didn't raise no podcast right. to to participate in <laughs> profanity. Shoot, nah, but nah, but seriously, so mom, don't watch this, and little kids don't watch this either. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing you're gonna know notice about this if you have not seen any of Hertzfeld's films before is that it is very simple animation and don't let the simple animation fool you um, he is quite the master of the medium mm -hmm. and really knows how to expertly use animation to and very simple figures to convey emotion and story oh, yeah. um, you know there's there's certain scenes where Bill, who is the main character of this film, you know, where he's received certain news and he, he takes his hat off and he, you know, rubs his head and it's just kind of like wallowing and, and very simple character design for him. But be, just the way that he's able to animate and convey emotion, uh, you you feel for Bill, which is the whole point of animation is to convey this life. Um, doesn't matter what it looks like. So, you know, this is the first thing off the bat. I do think that people would look at this film and be like, stick figures. This is not, you know. What are we watching? Is are he a watching? student? Is he, did he even go to school? I mean, this really? This isn't Pixar. And, um, this isn't what I'm used to. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's really short-sighted to go into that, into this film or mm -hmm. any of his films judging it based on the certain style that he chooses yeah. to implement. I would recommend you broaden your animation I... horizons by watching Hertzfeld, but also do your homework and know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. Well, the thing is with the way... I've actually really enjoyed the fact that he does it this way because it does free your mind to have other thoughts. Instead of judging, you, you just accept the fact that it's going to be stick figures. And so, therefore, you're not judging stick figures. Um, for their, oh, that didn't look quite right. Or, oh, that, that movement was slightly off. Ooh, it took me out. Like, you just accept this mm -hmm. is not going to be about the art. It's about the story. It's about the emotion. It's about connecting with a character and and actual storytelling. Um, that being said, also, it's just the very beginning of this movie was so random. <laughs> and it just really opens you up to say, wow, like, 
the first two minutes, I was laughing out loud at least four times, and I was just like, "I love Bill. <laughs> He's so I can't funny." Even, I can't even remember the beginning of the film. It just was such well, nonstop like narration that I, I very non sequitur. Yeah. So. Well, I think one of my favorite lines was like, "Was like the store clerk asked him how he was. He said, I'm doing fine, thank you. How are you?'" She did not answer. Oh yeah, Bill he felt uh, used. Bill walks down the uh, <laughs> he walks down the street and he sees that guy that he knows and used. he mixes yes. up. I, I, I do this all the time. I I met a a very well known artist the other day at a um, at a A and M faculty meeting or outside of one, and I really wanted to say hi to him because I, I know him personally. And um, for some reason, I, I get so um, intimidated around him, and I forgot what I said to him. I think I said, um, I think he was like, hey, Mason, how's it going? And I mixed up, um, how are you and fine? And I think I said something like you and like shook his hand. (laughs) How's up? No, I was just like you. And I like... (laughs) <laughs> so I. How I, are you? You. Mason, how's it going? You. <laughs> so um, that was a. Thankfully, he's a really nice guy, and I got to catch up to him about an hour later and be like, "Hello, how are you doing today?" <laughs> I. I can't. I can speak. In speak correct sentences. Ta- Mason, um, but anyway, uh, it all worked out. But I have had the exact same thing that happened to Bill at the beginning of this movie happen to me. So. Now I remember the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So another thing that I noticed initially is this film kind of just the way that it's animated. So there's, you know, the actual animation and then it's surrounded by this black vignette. Mm-hmm. And many times there's three scenes at once um, where, you know, there's the one where him and his ex-girlfriend, he and his ex-girlfriend are uh, laying yeah. in the park. And then right above it is the live action footage of the tree, which is supposed to be above them. And to me, it, the way that this was filmed and just the way that it was, um, you know, set up on the screen reminded me very much of like a slideshow, just moving from one slide, mm-hmm. old fashioned, you know, yeah. one slide to another, um, really gave that sense of, um, just, it had a know, real very like, non sequitur going from one. Yeah, it had yeah. a real like vignette feel to it. Like I, I appreciated it because it helped make sense of everything that was happening since the um, the narration was relatively fast paced, and so it helped us look at boom the keys, boom the coffee cup, boom he drops the coffee cup. You know what is up with that dang uh, coffee keys. cup, and uh, <laughs> and all that stuff. And um, I really liked yeah. all the all the live action effects. It, it took me back to um, some of Ralph Bakshi's stuff where he kind of goes into like urban life mm-hmm. and there's all this uh, you'll usually with him. You'll usually see um, animated characters walking around in uh, in live action. Um, yeah. What do you call them? Settings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So another thing he used, all the effects were done completely in camera traditionally. So the animation is all done traditionally. Um, everything that uh, from, you know, there's certain scenes where there's craziness happening and, and things that are shuddering and whatnot. And that's just all in camera effects that he's able to do. Um, the only digital effort that he's ever been able to do where he's actually drawn the characters digitally was the most recent short, World of Tomorrow, which was nominated for the for the Oscar. So uh, before then, it's it's completely traditional. It's impressive. And, uh, old. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. impressive. I love going analog. So Mason, this so we had mentioned that this was three different shorts that were released at different times. They progressively tell the story of our main character, Bill 
combined into a main, you know, 62 minute feature length film. It's very clear that these are separate vignettes just because they're, he did combine them with these interstitial scenes that uh, kind of, you know, make a short one blend to short two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even when you go into short two, it says chapter two. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's very clear that this is a three-part structure. Here's here's story one, story two, story three. So, Mason, how would you describe, you know, the, the story for each of these three main acts? Unnecessary, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I hate to be that guy, the voice of dissent, but uh, again, to quote Jurassic Park, uh, maybe they thought too much about whether they could do it without thinking about whether they should do it. Um, I thought the story of Bill was best restrained to 10 to 15 minutes. And um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I almost couldn't handle 60 minutes of poor old Bale. Uh, Lord bless and keep him. He, obviously, he had some health issues and he, that he couldn't help. But um, yeah, I thought Mental you, issues but you hit the nail on the head there, Morgan, when you said that it's a three-part structure, not a three-act structure. There is no... Um, there is no real inciting incident besides maybe um, once you get into like the first 15 minutes when weird stuff starts happening to him. Um, and there really isn't anything like there, there are several climaxes, climaces. Mm-hmm. And um, so I don't know. I, um, I thought it was interesting uh, how there is kind of this imposing sense of doom on Bill Oh, by the way, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it yet. Um, as he starts to see the doctor and as weird things starts happening to him, like feeling a little bit of pee trickle down your leg for no reason and, uh, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff and um, having kind of weird anxiety trips and um, and things like that. Hallucinations of dinosaur I think, heads. Yeah, I think what was the most um, frightening for me was um, how there were he he really was able to communicate what it's like to as i imagine suffer from dementia or loss of memory or loss of perception there's parts where the doctors have treated him uh for one of his problems and they're asking him if he's awake if he can understand what they're saying and of course we can understand what they're saying for the sake of the of the story for understanding what's going on in the actual film, but they're showing us these images. Do you recognize this person? And you can't recognize that person because of the way it's drawn. And, um, it just mm-hmm. really drives home, I guess the horrors of, um, ailing health and ailing mentality. And it's a reality in the film and, uh, it's, it's difficult to be confronted with it. And, and that's what I think is one of the most mature parts of the film. I wish that the, um, the overall trippiness and overall hallucinogenic quality of the film would have had a more um, gradual, a little better controlled, uh, I guess, gradation from normal Bill at the beginning to uh, you know existential eternal God Bill. <laughs> you know, at the end where it's like the light beings that revere him <laughs> as a god in the afterlife slash... Um, you know, frozen synapses of his brain or firing synapses. Um, but anyway, um, I wish that was a little better controlled because I, I think the, I, I think the uh, mint chocolate chip ice cream really hits the fans really early in this film and it doesn't let up until we're done. And so uh, maybe, I guess, pacing, you know. Of course, you know, Hertzfeld is such an artist. It's like, how dare I, like, criticize his treatment of the film? But Pacing of all uh, things. Yeah, well. Tisk, tisk. Oh no, it's not all that's that's not the only problem I have with this film is the pacing, but anyway, um I'll tell you Did you guys like the narrator's voice? 
Y'all go first. Let's start well, with a positive. Just to the narrator, huh? I oh, liked the it. <laughs> I like the, yeah, the narrator was Don himself, yeah. the director. So he for some I reason like, I again, thought he, he was does British. Himself. <laughs> I guess British accents just make you sound more intelligent, like on um, the World of Tomorrow. But anyway, um, yeah. So I have mixed feelings about the narration. Like on the one hand, like he he floods us with a lot of random details. It's not he walks down the street, he walks down the avenue that's past the bakery. You know, it's not he notices a shoe on the ground. He says he notices a woman's shoe with leaves stuck in it that fills him with inexplicable horror um, or something like that. And so uh, on the one hand, all the random details, it makes the sto- Bill's story feel real because it's like Don is saying, uh, you know, here, I have all these specific details to back up what I'm saying. So it's real. This is really mm-hmm. coming from someone's mind. But my gosh, it just wouldn't stop (laughs) there was no respite in the whole film and um so Mm -hmm. i'm guess i'm just gonna take a guess here and assume that heavy narration is uh don hertzfeld's style but it made the film boring i'm sorry there was very little uh maybe i need to see the one that you mentioned uh chelsea the the dating one lily and jim because maybe that has a little more um variety in the dialogue but it was just this guy and a couple of uh, voiceovers for dialogue yep <laughs> i'm like and well, and <laughs> well i'm actually thinking of like the difference of of lily and jim with this one um yeah it, lily and jim is an entirely different story oh it's good entirely different but um it has quite a few of those random um details in there that you're just like why did we need to know that but okay so with this film like we were talking how it's a three-part film it's really just three uh shorts that were put together they did you know obviously build on each other you know they were a few years apart when they were released but ultimately maybe it wasn't the master plan to release them as a film or maybe it was i don't know but they do feel like mason said very separate you know the first one it it has its peak it has its issues then it resolves then part two, it kind of picks up where the other one left off, but it's a completely different story. We talk about his mother uh, dying and then the problems that that had and how there were all these people from his childhood uh, and all these memories that maybe weren't even real in the first place. Maybe they were Ugh. just um, his way of coping. And so he was able to put uh, these memories in just in order to fill a gap. You know, for example, the brother with the hooks for arms that ran into the ocean and just suddenly died. You know, it, we're left wondering, did this even happen? Because at the very end, it kind of throws it on its head. And then the final act is ultimately him coming to grips with his dem- ultimate demise and sort of uh, his his sickness. Yeah, it gets and, to a and point then, where he really um, does not know what know what the heck is going and, on. Well, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. He he then is just so out of it that he doesn't know what's going on. And we are seeing it from his perspective. And so we're seeing, you know, potentially what it could be like for someone suffering from a disease like this and what the end is like from them where you're talking to someone and then two seconds later you don't even know who they are, can't recognize faces, everything is meaningless almost. Everything um, is although meaningless. Although at the very end, it did, <laughs> it did have a, a theme about how to... Uh, truly take time to appreciate the details because right. there's that moment where he's walking around that block and it really gets very vibrant with the colors there in this part and we're seeing him touching or, or viewing the uh, the bricks on the house and just the different 
uh, all the textures yeah. and things that he missed before just because he was living his life. And, and that's, you know, very much contrasts the art style where the art style is very sim simple. I mean, you wouldn't see these minute details ever um, with through Hertzfeld's normal art style. But at the very end, it really brings these to life, which is interesting that um, he chooses to focus on that when the majority of his artwork doesn't focus on the details yeah. Uh, per se. Yeah, it brings the narration. It, it does in a different details, way. But yeah, the art style. Yes, the narration does, but not necessarily. Yeah, that. that's an interesting point. So. And yeah, I do like that kind of like extreme hypersensory experience that happens at the end that helps Bill realize or it helps Bill come to the realization or really the regret that like life is really too short. And by the time you start realizing these amazing things that that are inherent in life like it's too late or something like that i think that's even a quote where it's like um you never tell people how you really feel until it's too late or something like that and then <laughs> either either he's imagining he's on his deathbed or he is talking to his younger self like in spirit or something like that but there's this kind of thing where he tells himself like you have to live life and enjoy it like every single second of it because sooner or later you're going to be looking back instead of forward and you're going to have to be, you're going to be mm -hmm. experiencing all these things that are um that happen when life is ending and um and so it's just a very it, it, that's like the the small bit of warmth in this film you know that makes me that that is my takeaway otherwise the movie is very cold and very bleak mm -hmm. so what did you think about the ending like i I'm not quite sure what happened there. And I was following for the most part. I thought I was. And then all of a sudden he, he becomes this existential being, which I get, you know, I, I'm totally can stand by that. You know, death is not the end, but he and his life force just perpetuates and keeps going even through the end of time. Um, almost to the point where he outlives society. He outlives the earth. He outlives the universe. And then these light beings, see him and he's still around and he is he is seen as a god to them and worshipped and that he continues to exist for the for the end of time and um i'm not quite sure what they were what he was trying to tell there um does this happen to everybody did this just happen to bill yeah if that's the case why did it just happen to bill and um you know i i the the idea that one person or one entity can outlive even space and time itself I'm I'm not so I I don't know it, it it left me a bit confused at the end where I was totally kind of accepting everything that was happening on the way that it was told but at the very end I was I maybe it was a bit over my head <laughs> well, but I you... it, it didn't resolve in a way that. I guess was very satisfying and maybe that was the yeah, point. Well, you are just uh you know you are just a mortal Morgan. So uh don't worry about it. You'll <laughs> you'll get it eventually. Um having uh I think I know a little bit about this because I uh watched 2001 a Space Odyssey all the way to the end and I fearlessly read the Ashes in a Coma uh fan fiction from Pokémon. So I know a little bit about this stuff. And so I think this was just uh the just an existential way of expressing the mystery of death, you know. I my personal theory theory is that this is something that um, happens to everyone in that Bill is experiencing his life perpetuating into eternity as his life is as his life force is slowing down to to nothing to death, and so I think he mm -hmm. is at the very 
penumbra as you will uh, if you will of his own life and as that happens time slows down to nothing and he feels like he can exist forever and so i think this is that was just a very highly depressing and very artsy way of expressing death <laughs> and so um you know if you want to believe that bill lives on in the eternities then please feel feel free to do so honestly i don't care that much about this film to debate it any further but uh, <laughs> i um put a stop to that (laughs) but i uh i really i uh, the ending was the ending was the the, when it got all trippy you know um and he becomes the star child again that's a 2001 space odyssey reference but um i almost thought there would have been a floating monolith or something that he confronts but uh the ending was where i started uh, paying attention to the film again uh because there was actually a time when i was so bored of the film i just listened to it while i did homework and so it came to that (laughs) folks but um i i I agree with that sentiment. I th- I do think there was a period of time where I was like, "All right, where is this going? Let's uh-huh. just wrap it." And up. And then there was even a part yeah. where it was it's like, "Oh, there's still." There was a part left. where it was almost like Don interjected into the story and was like, "Wait, he can't die. He can't just fade away like that. You know, the, it, he has to go on. Like, he can't just die." And so they go into more and more and more stuff, and it's it's kind of this madness, and and you wonder if hits if it's him. Um, if it's like if it's a uh, Hertzfeld himself, like willing Bill to go on because there's some sort of unfulfilled artistic like you know th- thing or or um, <laughs> what do you call it um, you know revelation that never happened or is is it just all part of the act of Bill uh, Bill's brain um, you know in the death throes of of nerves firing and memories coming in and out I don't know. It's just this big, huge, complex thing, and it, but unfortunately, the the film as a whole didn't resonate with me enough to really want to go into it that much. <laughs> anyway, it was pretty cool. The imagery was pretty interesting. So we kind of talked about some of the film's themes. One being, you know, take time to appreciate the details. Another one, um, how temporal life is. Ah, uh, yes. You know, I think from the very from the very first part of the film, we do see that. You know, he has a sickness, he has some sort of disease that he's suffering from and, and the effects that that has. And that does continue and perpetuate throughout all of the films or all. Yeah, all the whole film, um, as he doesn't really ever recover from this. And it, it makes you realize that this could happen to any of us at any time. It yeah, the quickly. theme that I extracted from it was that you will eventually die and it will be a horrifying, seemingly endless ordeal. <laughs> If I ever show I mean, signs of just if I ever show signs of dementia, like that's it. Like religiously, I don't condone suicide, <laughs> but I think it would be okay if my mind is just deteriorating. I, I would just like, I would just like jump naked off of an airplane, and then that would be my well, way, to go. way to go. Maybe out. I'll combust on the way Good down. Luck. Please, uh, when that happens, let let me know your plan on how. Oh, I'll outlive you all. Throw yourself off of an airplane. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry if that was insensitive, but like, gosh, this film really drives home the um, the horrors of um, of a deterioration of the mind, which unfortunately mortality. mortality, That's just it. It's mortality. It's not. I don't. What's interesting is that maybe it's not specifically um, expressing a like one certain ailment. Like, I don't think they ever go into the film on what exactly was happening to Bill. Mm-mm. No. What's really interesting, especially on any artistic thing, really, I think somebody somebody wrote this, which means somebody thinks like this. These thoughts actually come into Don's mind. And you look at, because he is the man of this film, it's like, 
you're really showing us what you're thinking, Don. And then it's like, I'm, I'm thinking you've got some things to work out Aww. on your own side. <laughs> I don't see that. I don't see like, wow, what a deranged mind of the, the director. I don't know. Have I just you think seen Rejected? A... Uh, I have not. I have not. So I must check that out at a later point. But um, it's just an interesting way of, of telling thoughts and ideas that maybe the general populace doesn't mm-hmm. look at or explore. Um, you know, I do appreciate this film for what it is and, and what it does explore and the way it goes about it. Um, which is it, which is very impressive in, in what it's able to do. But um, as far as future viewings, I do not think this will necessarily be uh, on my list of things <laughs> I got to see a lot. You know, I was reading some some reviews and different uh, people giving their thoughts on this film, and uh, one person said, "Oh, I, I love this film. I watch it multiple times per year." And to me, I appreciate that. I think it's amazing that you're able to get that much out of this film. But for me, I did not uh-huh. get that much out of it where I, it would be one of my multiple times per year yeah. viewings, which, uh, you know, I, I, but however, I did enjoy this film in a way that I was talking to someone about the film today and, it, you know, mentioned he, it and they said, you know, well, how was it? And I says it was both bizarre and, um, you know, somewhat stimulating mm-hmm. and thought provoking mm-hmm. and very different and artistic and expressive. Uh, and I would, I guess I would recommend it because it was so bizarre that I feel like you just have to see it just to experience yeah. it. Right. So I, I did recommend it, but in a very sort of roundabout sort of way. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is like, that's something I really respect about it. Like there's, as I mentioned, I said, like, it may seem like I, I'm giving this guy, guy, guy a bad rap, but no, like his humor is really funny. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of points that I was like, man, I love this guy's humor because it's just so random and hilarious. He he felt used <laughs> like it's just great it's very literal um, but then yeah it's very literal um but just like in world of tomorrow a lot of these a lot of his um films short films and through a lot of his this ones that i saw today they do leave you thinking about them mm-hmm. later on i will be thinking about a lot of these moments and i will be i mean you watch enough of them and they kind of blend into one, but they're, they're just, there's a lot of interesting things that he portrays, a lot of interesting moments that you just feel like, okay, all right. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, um, I, I was digging around a little bit cause I, I wanted to know, you know, what was the buzz with this film? Like, what was the deal with it? Um, so I came across a, a, a mini review, like a snippet, if you will, a blurb, if you will. Uh, it's from a former Pixar animator. Uh, he actually teaches animation at CalArts, so it's not like this is some dude, you know, being like, worst movie ever. Um, <laughs> uh, and it pretty much sums up my thoughts on the film perfectly. He says, I'm glad people were moved by this film. I've tried to watch it several times, and I find it pretentious and boring, relying on an- on narration almost entirely to tell its story and containing minimal animation. I know that's his style, but it works best when it's funny. I like Hertzfeldt's um, sense of humor and timing, but this film leaves me cold. Anyone else feel that way, or am I alone? I say, preach, brother, because you're not alone. That is almost exactly <laughs> how I feel about this film. Do I think the film is pretentious? Yes. Do I think that Hertzfeldt is pretentious? No. I am going to love the center and hate the center. I mean, love the filmmaker, hate the film um, in this case. Um, don't get me wrong. And I, I suppose I should get into my rating on this. Um, 
don't get me wrong i highly respect hertzfeld as an artist and personally i consider him one of my biggest like influences on my own art style like for me don hertzfeld is like a crusader for us cartoony guys you know we we see the power in stick figures um but i did not enjoy this particular <laughs> film for which and that is the reason why i'm giving it a two out of five stars i think this is like the first time i've ever done this on the podcast two out of five stars people i didn't enjoy it sorry not sorry um I thought the film was going to end like six or seven times. And each time it started back up, the new ending before it began again was less redeeming than the previous one. <laughs> and uh, for me as a viewer, like I just felt like this was dragging on, of course, because I love the rotoscopers and I love you guys. Uh, and I love Alex D. Sorry, man. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I watched it. You know what movie I preferred that was more along this vein of like kind of art, art animation you know realism ex existentialism the frailty of life was mary and max it's a stop motion film starring um that guy um um i, I have a brain fart but um anyway uh, oh apparently alex is taking this okay taking this well in the chat so we're still but best buddies <laughs> so you know what mary and max it it, it had more heart despite the bleak theme of it and the lack of color and things like that and the ending and Mary and Max also incorporated humors that was in my opinion more relevant to the actual story of what was going on and it relied on dialogue between the characters rather than narration and so please don't judge um, it's such a beautiful day as what Don Hertzfeld is all about it just happens to be my least favorite short that are my least favorite film that he's done and it just happens to be the least favorite film that i've reviewed on the podcast so far <laughs> but anyway that is my that is my soapbox uh for the episode i know we can't have a rotoscopers episode without it but i just didn't enjoy it i'm so sorry guys so i'm going to rate this movie i'm i'm on the fence between 2.5 and three stars um i I found this movie interesting at the beginning, the very first vignette, you know, part one. I thought it was funny, uh, very well written, um, just unique and different. And then it kept going and going and going. And then it, it lost its appeal and the, you know, the humor and the quirkiness. I think it, as three separate shorts at, viewed at separate times uh, would have been more powerful. And the fact that, you know, you're, you're able to take a break from it and not be somewhat desensitized by the way in which the jokes are portrayed and the animation and whatnot. Um, so yeah, towards the, the middle to latter half, I had started losing interest and, um, you know, don't really, uh, hate this film. I just don't see this film necessarily being something in my an classic animation repertoire that I'll be going <laughs> back to multiple times per year to view. Um, however, I am grateful that I did see this movie and it expanded my animation horizons. I think it is interesting, and I think, and I, I very much applaud it for, and more more importantly, applaud Hertzfeld for what he does for yes. animation and his viewpoint that he is able to yes, tell, yes. Uh, which you do not see very much of. Um, I love his independent spirit and, um, you know, on an anonymity in a way, where the fact that he just he doesn't have to feel obligated to a big corporation or a studio or whoever, any benefactor that's supporting him. It's just him, his vision, and whatnot. So uh, I'm, uh, I, I, I don't know, 2.53. It's kind of a toss-up for either or. So 2.75. We'll there you go. You can't do that. Only Even Myra on the... can do the point, the multiples of one quarter. Nope, we... It is now... I've done it several times. Yes, Chelsea does it all the time, so there we go. 
Um, all right. So uh, to say a little bit more on my my stance, I actually, because of my misunderstanding of the instructions today, I only did watch the first one. Um, <laughs> that's the big reveal, guys. That's the big reveal. <laughs> Chelsea hasn't seen the last two. <laughs> so I'm like, do I even want to go and watch the last Wait, part? you didn't you even watch to. the whole thing? Yeah, I will. No, no she, I just watched Roto the first fails. one, but I watched like... 12 Roto others. And so she, I was like, <laughs> she's been conveniently quiet. Yeah. Yes. For, for what we were discussing. So oh, you yeah. my I thought like that Morgan red, were I'm ranting like... on and on and on for too long. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting that funny feeling again. <laughs> so. Chelsea. Yes, for anybody. Actually, Chelsea has probably <laughs> so watched the Chelsea... most Donna Hertzfeld sh- uh, shorts out of all of us three. So I'm... you definitely get a little reward I watched for that. a lot of them today. She did do her homework. It was just the wrong uh-huh. assignment. So. <laughs> right. It's like back in school when you like totally misunderstood the assignment and failed the entire thing. Even though now you're no. like, but I did You may so have done much. the wrong homework, but you're still a star. Yay, Common Core. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Hey, it's all on the final at the end of the day. Right, there so. you go. <laughs> what if this was the final? Don't. Oh, Chelsea's going to have her own existential revelation about the frailty of life. <laughs> so I'm going to be judging um, a lot of these all in kind of the same way. Um, as far as the first one, I really did like the first one until it did get to the end. And at the end of the first section, I was just like, I, I like Bill and Bill less as it went on. Um... Why? Cause I like he's him sick? less and less as it goes on. Because he's sick. That's what I was just thinking. What's wrong with you, Chelsea? Because <laughs> well, you realize he's deranged. <laughs> well, it. I, I mean, <laughs> like it was just uh-huh. no, and it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. What do you got to say it now? It was the fact that like I liked him. I still liked him, but in a different way. Like you just you wanted to help him more, and it was less a. It, the whole tone of it changed from a, I think this is going to be a funny movie or a funny thing of just a lot of these random quips in there and funny little things to like something that I just wasn't expecting. And so I, I liked him in the funny ha-ha way less and in, in the, I I feel like I need to help you and be, I'm a little bit more like involved in your life right now um, through that way. So it's just a shift in the way I look at so him. So what would you rate the first As, film that you watched, the first short? The first short, I felt like you did get a good, um, you felt, I felt like you did get a good sense of kind of just the sporadicness of this guy and kind of just how we all are a little bit that way. Um, I really liked the one scene where he says, you know, I thought about how every time that I, that he put his keys on the, on the counter and maybe this is actually my life all of these random mundane things that I do every single day and all the other things are the exception and like it that made me think of like okay what daily habits am I doing what things you know should I change like so there are those are little things that that go to my go to my mind um and so I appreciated you know having that put in front of my face. What do I do every day? And, um, you're ranting. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. Her rant um, matched okay, mine so and anyway. yours. It's all good. Yes, Balance that's true. Been She's been holding it in. <laughs> Balance. That's all I got. Um, and in the end, 
I don't know. I give it, I give it like a three stars in that Ooh. way. It wasn't something that I'm like, I really like this. It was just more of a, I appreciate a lot of these things that he's putting in front of me. So there you go, guys. So there you go. <laughs> hey, Morgan Mason and Chelsea. This is Jonathan North. Uh, I've been wanting to leave you guys a voicemail message for quite some time, but I always kept missing the deadline. I would have to remember on this one, which is going to be like the weirdest one. Um, I just wanted to say that this was really weird, and I think I liked it, but I'm not really sure. Um, I'd never seen this before. I was really looking forward to it because I reviewed Herzfeld's other short film, The World of Tomorrow, for the Rose Covers website, and I really liked that. It was quirky. It had a dark-ish sense of humor, not too dark. And I kind of expected this one to be the same, but it really wasn't. It was poignant at times, but... There's a lot of disturbing stuff, like the mental illness thing, people kept getting hit by trains, and the whole grandma scene was ugh, creepy. Um, as a whole, I think I liked it, but I don't know that I'd watch it again, and I don't know how many people I might actually recommend it to. It was an experience, but... I can't say it's like a favorite thing. Thanks. I'll try to call again for another less weird episode. Talk to you later. Bye. So before we wrap this episode up, uh, we just want to acknowledge all the people who were on chat with us. So thank you, Gabriella, And of course, Alex, Chelsea, Abby, uh, wise man the wicked sorry that's your screen name <laughs> jonathan north and uh did i mention gabriella anyway and of course yes, me i'm like over <laughs> over participatory there was a point when i was typing so much in the chat today that google actually put an embargo on me and was like uh you're chatting too much you have to wait 30 <laughs> seconds before you can chat again it's like but, but i am I the horoscopers <laughs> <laughs> anyway so yeah that's another another episode done. Oh, um, just some ending <laughs> remarks. So here's a Mason public service <laughs> announcement here. So um, as we all probably know, Batman versus Superman is coming out this week. And I can't remember a more hyped up film since... Um, oh, wait, Star Wars. That was the last overly hyped up film. Anyway, so uh, please listen up. Let's all please, please, please be quiet and respectful when we go see this in the movie theater. Like, repeat after me. Do not talk. I will not talk. <laughs> I will not talk. I will not talk. Do not cheer Live. and clap when your favorite superhero or superheroine arrives on screen. Because we've known for months that these characters will in fact be in the film. It is not a surprise. So stop cheering and clapping during the film. So, you know, people want to actually hear the movie that's going on. Uh, to quote my friend um, from yourmoviesucks.org, he's not really a friend, he's just someone I look up to. Uh, he says, uh, <laughs> we all know that you love this thing more than anyone else have, has ever loved a thing. <laughs> we just hope that someday you will shut the heck up. <laughs> but... Uh, he doesn't use the word heck, but uh, do not clap until you have visual confirmation that the end credits are in fact rolling, uh, because that is the only um, appropriate time to clap and cheer during a film. So please shut your mouth and let other people enjoy their movie theater experience. 
That this has been a public service announcement from Mason. Wow! Thank you, Scrooge McMason. I will come after you. <laughs> so you heard it. Heard it here first. Heard folks. it here first. Watch yourself. Watch yourself. Mason will come at you. I'm watching you. All right. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Our next episode is another patron choice. It is actually the Princess and the Frog. Which used to be on Netflix. It is, however, not on Netflix anymore. So I will include links at the very bottom of the website and the footer. There's a little section that has links on how to watch this. I will include links so you can download, rent, or view um, very legal legal ways. So we can all be prepared <laughs> to watch this Legal-like. fantastic film. So talking about the complete other end of the spectrum, we have Don Hertzfeldt and all of his glory. And then we have the powerhouse Disney, which is the ultimate commercialism. <laughs> Basically everything, it epitomizes it all. Right. So we will jump back to that world next episode. So you can jo- you can join us in the comments for this episode, rotoscopers.com slash 119. Please go there. Uh, if you've gone to Netflix where you can watch this film, if you have a Netflix subscription, absolutely please go watch the film and then give us your thoughts on what you think about the film what you would rate it do you agree or disagree we love to hear your comments and we will also be in the comments as well uh responding back and forth so join us there uh also you can tweet about this on you know twitter hashtag animatics and hashtag animatics 119 to talk about this specific episode you can also leave us a voicemail for our next episode, Princess and the Frog. Get your voicemails in soon because I have a pretty, I'm pretty sure we're probably going to hit our limit. Mm-hmm. We also, we get so many voicemails. So uh, if we hit more than, you know, four or five, then we'll probably just have to curate, you know, some of the shorter ones or whatnot. So, uh, but hey, get yours in soon because I will give priority to those that send them in soon. You can give us a, a voicemail at rotoscopers.com slash voicemails or 406-646-6575. And um, again, a big thank you to Alex D, one of our patrons. This was his patron pick. Oh, patron Um, pick. He provided two, and this was the first one on his list, so we decided to do this one. And if you would like to discover the benefits of being a patron, go to rotoscopers.com slash patron or slash Patreon, and you could read all about it. It, Thank you so much to the newest patrons who have joined. Um, The newest patron, um, I did write it in the the show notes, and it got deleted somehow. No. Oh. Press um, undo. So if you would like to, you know, be a patron, definitely consider it. We love our patrons and everything that they're able to do. Again, we are slowly climbing up in the, the monthly uh, donation. Um, whether you're $1, $5, $10, anything you can do, we really do appreciate. And it does help support the show. Once we hit our next milestone, which is $500, we will start going weekly, which is huge. Basically, every week you're going to have an episode from us, which is going to be pretty, pretty incredible. So thanks, everybody, for that. Um, and then also other ways to support the show, really simple and easy, rotoscopers.com slash Amazon. Amazon, where you can start all of your Amazon shopping using our linked a little bit uh, goes back to us to help support the show. And thank you to everyone who has been supporting it. Amy um, F is our new it patron. It does mean a lot to us. Amy F. Yes, that is the name. Thank you. Ah, I was just totally right looking in the wrong spot. I don't know. I don't that how weird it was totally deleted and now it is back. So Amy F, thank you for being a new patron and shout out to her. So, uh, yes, anyways. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for this episode. I'm Morgan Stradling. You can find me on the interwebs at Morgan Stradling, everywhere great social media is found. (laughs) You can find Chelsea Robson on... 
Twitter and Instagram. She's at Chelsea Robson. Also, ChelseaRobson.com is a great place to find her. And, you know, <laughs> if you want to see where she's going to be performing next, check that out. Different uh, things like that. Also, Mason is Mason's SMTX on Twitter and Instagram. He also is can be found at MasonSmithPortfolio.com where you can check out a lot of his, his amazing student work. And he's always updating it. And it's really cool. So go check that out. Oh, shucks. He would appreciate it. Especially if you were like a PR shucks. person or a recruiter from a major animation studio. That would be, that'd be like great. That'd be awesome. That'd be pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. And until next time. We, we are, are the Rotoscopers! Without a delay! Hey, I think it might have worst time ever! Let's go, okay, end the episode yeah. right now, let's, let's listen to it. <laughs>